You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about art. We talk about spiritualism. We talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, meritocracy, and mediocrity. We do sometimes talk about things like sexual assault, suicidal ideation, self-harm, trauma, and whatnot. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you want to confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on self Worst. <sighs> Hello folks, how you doing? Another episode of Self Worst Another week in our lives Another week of February it Is what it is tired. I've been tired. I got up early, did a workout, not to brag, went to actual work, my actual job, such as it is, and came home, and the sun was still kind of out. It was around five o'clock. Sun was still out as I was locking up my bike, heading inside. That was nice. That was refreshing. You love to see it. So we're getting through it. There is some evidence that time is actually passing and that we're not just stuck in this gray nothing forever, right? We'll get through it, day at a time. Did y'all see that thing? Uh, it went viral. It was a video from a couple of years ago. This guy, uh, what was his name? Kevin Killeen. He's a newscaster from St. Louis. He did this in like 2016, but for whatever reason, it just blew up. And he's he, he's just doing a news segment about why February sucks. And did you see this? It fucking rules. You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop it in because uh, it's like two minutes, and he sums up how we all feel about this. Uh, he do, he does a better job describing February malaise in two minutes than I do in, in entire. 100 plus episodes of this show. February is the worst month of the year, but it's an honest month. It's a month that doesn't hold up life any better than it really is. I mean, look around here. These buildings, they, they look like they don't even have any lights in them during a work day. And uh, something great happened here, but it's over with. And that's the way February is. You can see it in the way people walk and how they look let's let's go just check out february this this says it all this has a spring-like or floral pattern on it but somebody on this february day has abandoned it with its broken shaft like a desperate flinging off of something that's not true anymore the expedition is getting desperate people are throwing things aside look around downtown on a february workday this looks like a place where people who are being punished are sent. If you notice the way people cross the street in February, it's different than in the summer. Nobody is tap dancing or breaking into a Rodgers and Hammerstein song. 
It's their lunch hour, and they're just barely able to get across the street and hunker over a bowl of chili. Carbohydrates are big this time of year. Also, lotions because everybody is itchy and tired and irritable. Even the land is tired in February. Most of the birds who can afford it have gone to Florida. And the the trees that once cheered us, they're hard to look at this month. It's as if there is some awful truth out there in the trees. It's hiding in the branches. Look at them. Something that's been bothering you for a long time is out there. What is it? You can almost see the shape of it when all the color is gone, when life is stripped down to the starkness of February. To try to hide the bleakness of February, man invented Valentine's Day and also Mardi Gras. But then February answered back with another holiday, Ash Wednesday. What other month could host a holiday that's designed to remind us that we're all gonna die? That's February for you. It is bleak, it is honest, and it just tells you the way it really is. My father used to have a saying that if you can live through February, you'll live another year. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Killeen. Fucking nails it. He really does. Kevin Killeen, come on the show, King. Love to have you on. He's not on this episode. We're talking to a different king. We're talking to Ian Harvey. He's an actor, comedian. You've probably seen him on Transparent. You've seen him on some other stuff. He's a man about town. He pops up and stuff. He's one of those. He's the, uh, that guy from that thing. Um, he's really great. Uh, we met a couple years ago. Uh, we're a mutual friend, friend of the show, former guest Liz Winstead. Uh, a few years back, uh, when Ian was in New York doing a play and stuff, and you know, we became friends. We always I saw a dog. We, we had we bonded over dogs. He follows a dog Instagram. We're do- we're dog people. But anyway, we hadn't talked for a while, so it was good to catch up and kind of go deep. That's about it. I don't know. I'm tired. I got home today. The sun was still out, but then I had to put on my shoes again and go outside again, and it was dark. And go do another thing. Help my buddy move an armoire. Ugh. I had to get on the BQE, drive up to Bushwick. Ugh. Who's got the energy? I'm back now. I'm fine. But like, man, just working up the willpower to do anything like that after you're already in for the day. God damn. I won't say I'm a hero or anything. But, you know, I am better than you. I don't know. Support the show. Patreon.com slash self worst. I would love it if you did. Uh, We got bonus content. Uh, bonus episodes. I'm, I'm going to record a bonus episode uh, shortly that's going to be on the Patreon exclusive feed. And you'll have more content, more of me talking, which is just what you wanted. No guest or anything, just me. So, you know, chip in. Help me out. Help me not have to uh, walk dogs all day anymore I don't know uh, you can follow me at Bradical Pearson Instagram and Twitter follow the show at self worst all of that 
pop us in your Instagram stories, take a screenshot of this here podcast you're listening to, put it on your Instagram stories, tag me and stuff, and I'll regram you. Or re-stories you. Uh, whatever. You know what I'm saying. You're tech savvy. You're listening to a podcast. All right. Let's go to the interview with my friend, Ian Harvey. How you doing? I've been okay. I feel like we haven't uh, seen each other in a minute. Uh, a long minute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I want to say it's probably like, I think it was summer 2018, maybe, that I did that play. Yeah. Was that Liz's? Yeah. Somewhere around. It must have been somewhere around there. I don't really remember. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is a long time well, ago, man. Feels like, I mean, feels like I was like a whole different person back then, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I feel very similar. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I had a little bit more hair and I don't now. And you have a ton of hair. <laughs> I do. I, I grew my hair out. I just uh, got out of the shower. So it's not as springy and magnificent as it usually is. But also, look, dude, I'm going bald, too. Come on. Like, I got I got a receding hairline just like everybody, every other dude in his 30s. So, like, it, don't worry about it. You look good, bald. You got, I mean, you got a good head shape, but you can you can pull it off. So don't worry about it. Well, I, uh, I, I'm trying to get over myself about it. It's mm. so weird. It's like one of the things that, like, you know, wake up and nags at me. Yeah. But... I heard this. I, I uh, listened to your stand-up special. Um, and uh, that was like what 2017, and and you were talking about uh, you know the the tea kind of uh, backfiring and, and causing you to go bald, and was like, well, yeah, you can't pick and choose. Um, there's a a, no. a comedian it buddy blows. of mine, uh, Will Winner. Um, he's bald, and and he talks about how like you know I look at all of you guys out here, uh, with with your beautiful heads of hair, and I I just see I'm sorry I just see a bunch of boys. I'm a man. I got because I, I got <laughs> I got testosterone. That's why bald boys are men. You know, and and he's it's a good way of looking at it. Honestly, I don't know. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, my I dad's get, you bald, know. and he he went bald very like gracefully with dignity, and was just like, okay, I'm just gonna be a bald man. What are you gonna do? Yeah, uh, I I'm finding it hard going down like that. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> Have you thought about like doing um, like the hair plugs route or like wearing a rug or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, I mean, that? yeah, I've actually um, in, in November like I just had um, like a hair transplant where they they take hair from the back of your head mm-hmm. and they put it in up here, and it was successfully done. But it takes about like you know four to five months for it to start to regrow because yeah. they take actual hair follicles and and put them in it's like that are resistant to testosterone death which mm-hmm. is what you know testosterone to, death yeah which, i think that's uh, what we should title this episode yeah sure um uh but you know they put them in and it takes a while for it to come back and so i'm in that waiting process yeah. for this to anyway but it is weird it's like one of those things that like it's it's probably one of the few things that i self-obsess about Mm -hmm. and i think because i just never thought that it was gonna happen to me i don't i don't know why i just like i i just in like this denial of that being a possibility and then it really felt like an overnight sort of thing very quick 
how Should've how said. soon after transitioning did it begin to uh, go? Uh, I would say it wasn't until probably like my eighth year on testosterone wow. that, and I think that it took so long to sort of become fully cooked, you right. know, on testosterone that that it really kicked in, and within my eighth and maybe ninth year of being on T, I lost so much, like sort of in that time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And, you know, had someone told me, you know, early on that there was like a medication you could take, which there is, that would help you keep your hair, I right. would have done it. No yeah, one told me. I like, thought not about, to say that that's somebody's responsibility, right. but, you know. I've, I've thought about going on Propecia every time I, I, I look at my hairline yeah. in the mirror or, or like, you know, it's just like, it's just, I got this real fucking widow's peak, like a real extreme widow's peak happening. And like, I look at photographs of myself, you know, from like eh, 10, 15 years ago. And I'm like, eh, it's, it is diminishing a little bit. Like I'm, th- I'm uh, 37 now. So I'm like, you know, it could still go that way obviously but like i i, I don't really know because i'm also like what i've heard of like the sexual side effects with propecia can be like you know it just like makes your dick completely not work and all this other stuff and i'm like ah, is it worth it like i mean you know i think my my girlfriend would rather have my penis work than like have a full head of hair <laughs> so i i think i, I well it's a trade-off it it, it could be a trade-off, but, you know, they're now using Propecia topically as opposed to mm. um, taking pills. They're now mixing it with, um, like, topical um, regrowth um, yeah. uh, liquids and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And they're saying that it works just the same, but it doesn't have any of the side effects. So I'm doing that as well as what I just did. So I don't know. It's just like one of those things. It's like one other thing. You know, I, I hate self-obsession sure. in myself. <laughs> so, but it's well, you like live in the wrong city the for that, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're in the wrong industry in the wrong city for, for yeah, not liking self-obsession. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I feel like, you know, before my transition, before I act and I consider my transition, the actual steps that I took to modify my body, to feel better in my body. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that was my transition and that I am still transitioning in other ways uh, at developing as a human being. But as far as about my gender, you know, and feeling uncomfortable, like that I didn't have what I needed to feel comfortable in my skin, that I uh, once I had my transition, I felt better. And but but leading up to that, I was self-obsessed daily. I woke up every single day, like, how can I change this? What can I do to change this? This feels terrible. This feels similar about my baldness and that I didn't have that kind of self-obsession. Like I did with with transitioning in a a weird way because before I had words for it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is this? I can't figure this out. Like, what is this? What is this? What? And then I saw someone like me and I was like, that's what it is. And immediately identified and felt better with the identification. But then this other self-obsession came on of like, okay, now what am I going to do to feel better in my body? Now I know, I know how to, I know how to identify this. That feels better, but what do I do to feel better in my body? And so that was my self-obsession until I got what I needed. And now this baldness 
feels very similar. I don't think it's necessarily like being trans in, you know, in, in similar in that way, but I definitely feel the obsession level is the same. Isn't that stupid? Mm. Like, I just, I yeah. feel like it's stupid to be that obsessed about something. I like mean, that. I, I get it though, man. Like it's hard. It's a, it's a, like, I talk about this a lot with, you know, I mean, like I air all of my insecurities to, to my girlfriend, of course, cause she's, she's like around to hear it. And I'm just like, you know, um, but often her response is just like, well, like whatever, just go bald. Like you'll look fine bald. Like, and I'm just like, you go bald motherfucker. Like, how would you feel <laughs> if your hairline was fucking shrinking every year? Like I like, and she, and she was always like, Oh yeah, no, I'd, I'd be freaking out. I was like, okay, thank you. Like it's, it's not easy to like let go of something that's like, you know, like, and I'm also like, it's just that, Losing it up front seems unfair. If it was like the back of your head, you know, like the way back, like where they get the plugs from, then you could at least like grow your hair <laughs> down or something. But yeah. it's like the first thing you see is like right up here. And like, yeah. you know, like apparently like Rogaine doesn't like do like it. that's only for like back here. Like the crown is not for like the yeah. receding hairline. And like, I don't know, like I can usually stay out of my head about it. But man, like. I will, I mean, you know, I, I live in New York. There's lots of good looking people and there's like a, you know, like a guy with like a, a you know, hundred dollar haircut and just this like beautiful straight, you know, like Don Draper <laughs> hairline. I'm like, fuck, I hate yeah. that. You know, like yeah. it just every time and like they might like not look like how I want to look in every other way. Like they might be I don't know, like short or like, you know, like whatever, like have like a, you know, just like kind of a, a frumpy face, but they just got that like nice, like newscaster hair. I'm like, God damn it. It just makes yeah. me mad every time I see it. Yeah. Not yeah. Gonna lie. And I, and it's, it's hard for me to, I, I am fully aware that that doesn't make those people bad people, but I'm like, I, but I go, Oh, what a fucking asshole. I know. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just jealousy. Look I know that, that it's just look me. at that douche with hair. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Who's I know this nothing fucking about pretty them. boy think he is coming in yeah. here with hair follicles up on like, you know, a, a, a hairline and <laughs> his forehead and shit. Like, Oh, I hate it. Like it, it's, I don't know. Like, but what you were saying was, I mean, I feel like the term dysphoria and dysmorphia, like those, those terms really only kind of came into the lexicon fairly recently. So I feel like it was like a thing for like, I mean, it had to have been a human emotion for a long time, right? Just like not feeling right in your own body. And like the language finally comes along. That's just like, that's what it is that I'm feeling. That must've been incredible. You know, it, yes, absolutely. But also, it also aligned me with every person on the planet. Mm. It didn't separate me. It aligned me with every human walking the earth that has ever felt discomfort in their body for whatever reason. And most of those reasons, most of them, you can boil them down to being related to gender. Even if you're cisgender, yeah. agree with what you were assigned at birth, um, wherever you are on the spectrum of language and identity um every single person has felt um a weirdness a discomfort in about something 
that you can draw a line back to their masculinity or their femininity mm-hmm. or their or the non-binary place that that lands them and about that particular thing. Um, I think part of what I part of what I don't like about being bald is that it like your friend like all oh, those people are boy that without with hair with hair out there are boys. It, right. I'm a man, right. and I am a man, but. I'm not that kind of a man. And right. so at first visual glance, like <clears throat> I'm clearly a dude. Right. And um, there's something about that that kind of, you know, it's weird. Like I didn't transition for to, you know, get out, seek approval visually from other people as a visual man. Sure. Like I transitioned because I wanted to feel better in my skin, whatever that looks like. And this is what it ends up looking like for the most part, except for this. <laughs> but yeah. I, there's something about being automatically sort of lumped in with um, potential like sort of toxic mascu- masculinity that I don't want as well. Mm. And I feel... And, and that's, I mean, that's not a huge part of it, but that's a little part of it. Like, I remember the first time that I got clocked as a cis man, mm-hmm. I was really mad about it. <laughs> you know? When was this? When, when did that happen? It, it was, um, it was probably about, sorry. No worries. It was probably about six months after, uh, my chest surgery, so probably about 10 months after taking testosterone, like I had a little bit of facial hair, mm-hmm. hair, excuse me, my, um, my voice had dropped a little bit. Um, and I was in a mobile station filling up and I went and grabbed a cup of coffee. And, um, you know, the guy behind the, the counter at the register was like, Hey, bro, is that all you need? You know, like yeah. whatever. And like, just super before I ever spoke a word, I mean, when I open my mouth, I don't think I sound real broy, but at first glance I was like, Oh shit, this guy thinks I'm with him. Like right. I'm now in the pack and the, you know, boss, bro, all of that. Like I've never been called so many like dude variations of variations dude names. Of dude man, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and you're and, not, and that, you, you don't super like that or you don't like just sort of like the connotation with just like, toxic masculinity is more the, the issue ladder the ladder yeah because yeah. i mean i get that in like i i've been working you know as a as a cisgendered man to try and take back those take take back the words bro and like i feel like i feel like um dudes who uh aren't are, are trying to steer away from patriarchy and toxic masculinity uh still i think can you know call each other bro and still kind of i think there's still a a a a good side to male camaraderie um that gets i agree there's like a baby thrown out with the bathwater kind of situation i Um, i agree i actually feel like it's nice when it comes from people that i know mm -hmm. and that it's um and when i don't know Mm -hmm. them it feels like I'm being included in a pack of people that um, that I don't know if I want to be included with. Okay. But but when I see, like my dear friend was just visiting uh, from Boston. Um, I call him Brother Josh. 
Right. You know, I have men who I adore that I, you know, I call, you know, bro or, you know, and I think that it feels endearing and um, has that camaraderie that you're talking about yeah. and um, this inclusivity. And there is a part of that that I like. I like the inclusivity, but I also don't like the exclusivity of it too from people that I don't know. Isn't that, I don't right. Yeah, no, so, I'm, I'm, I, I, I see what you're saying. Like, the, the, uh, the fine print of somebody, you know, just being like, what's up, bro, is like, you're not one of those women. You're not like a little bitch. You're not like some, you know, like, it's, it's, it's all this other, like, you're not a femme, you know? And, like, there's all of that other stuff that comes along with it that, like, I, you know... I definitely don't want to be misunderstood as somebody who would want to, um, you know, exclude women, femmes, whoever, um, from, you know, from, from somebody who like, I don't know, or, or, or would think of those people differently. But, um, again, like this is, this has been a big journey and this is something that I talk about a lot on the podcast is just, uh, masculinity and like I don't know if you've noticed but masculinity is uh, in a kind of a tight spot right now there's just like not a lot of <laughs> good examples there's it's hard to find good examples of it and the, the bad examples are so prominent and so prevalent and so influential um, and I really feel for um, men and boys growing up right now who don't feel like they really have anybody to look to. Um, and the, the kind of like vanguard of masculinity, uh, is often pretty gross. Um, maybe it's, it's starting to kind of slightly get better as time goes on. And, but like, it's, it's a, such a slow process and the hostility uh, and the, th the like immediate threat of just like physical violence, not only just, um, yeah, not only just like ostracization and derision, but like actual like violence for not being man enough is like very like real and palpable, you know, like as a, um, a kid who grew up, you know, as like a kind of skinny, sensitive boy in, you know, like a, a like red Midwestern state. Like I always felt this kind of, uh, shrinking away from, from masculinity and from, uh, I don't know, just like a lot of the examples that I saw of like how I'm supposed to act. And I was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that though. But like, what am I, what am I supposed to be? You know, it's hard. Mm, mm. It's, I mean, I think, if there if there were and this is going to be like a crazy vague statement but like if there are no examples then you define it yourself yeah if there if there are and i know that that's sort of near impossible but i guess it's kind of like you know um i definitely believe that and it, i didn't always think of this this is sort of like in the last sort of decade or two of my life thinking that, you know, I actually think that it's a great idea to allow people 
to choose their own gender later, you know, and that like what would happen if you never told someone if you can tell them what their genitalia is named? Yeah. You know, but what if you never told them that they were a boy or a girl and told them what that meant? What if you just let them develop as a human being and whatever that outcome is, you know, is what it is. And it could be, you know, wherever they land on whatever that spectrum of gender is, it could be a combination of many things. But I think people's obsession with, um, you know, boxing and identifying and naming and putting on people at a very early age and actually at conception, you know, their obsession with if someone is a boy or a girl. Right. Um, what ha- what happens if you relinquish all of that stuff? And that is an enormous feat to ask, you know, mm-hmm. like, what if you like, what if you, you know, we could begin to do that. And what what would that look like for people like yourself that, you know, was growing up in a, you know, what uh, or, or me, you know, like would it. I just don't think things would be that confusing because you're, you know, because you would, you're constantly trying, like when someone tells you you're supposed to be like X because you're X, because of how you, your genitalia appears underneath your clothes. Like it, it's like, you're supposed to be all of these things. And it's like, well, I guess what there would, I don't know if there would be confusion. And there would be if you hadn't, if not you, but if we right. had not put upon people expectation around, you know, gender had, you know, had we not framed that and like, mm-hmm. why, why must we? And, you know, I think my masculine, my, my sort of my spectrum of where I land is, is visually pretty, you know, I mean, I have, I like scruff on my face. Yeah. I like a mustache. Um, you know, but I think the moment that I open my mouth, like I sound different than when probably I would, that I, I think I sound different than what I look like. Mm. So the moment, like, I I don't know, there's a combination of things going on visually odd, you know, auditory, like my sound, my mannerisms, um, you know, how I present day to day, like I'm wearing a, uh, mauve sweatshirt right now um earlier i was wearing this beefy flannel uh when i was out driving my truck earlier you see me get out there's like i don't know there's all these like visual things that are like a lot of different messages that i think about like what if i if we were never taught to fucking think about them Mm -hmm. it's such a bizarre thing to put on our fellow humans you know to say that we must and or that I don't even really know when that was sort of developed. I mean, mm. I, I, it, it's just it's a bizarre thing. I just think for like I have my my partner's nieces and nephew. She's a nephew who is um, 10 years old and he's a, a quiet, sensitive kid. And I think about how, you know, he's developing and um, I think about the girls as well. But I but I think about him in particular and what, how he has to, like you're talking about when you were a kid, what he has to navigate to decide where he feels comfortable or most comfortable. And, 
I don't know. Just uh, what would that be like? What would, if if no one ever said you must? Yeah, <laughs> you know. I, I don't I, know. I mean, and, a good friend of mine. Uh, there. I'm sorry that was so inarticulate. That's okay. By that's the way. okay. It's very um, vague. They have um, a friend of mine has two kids, and um, her eldest kid is, uh, is non-binary, um, and I think it's a fairly recent. Uh, what's the term? Development discovery revelation whatever um but it was put to them as just like maybe like almost like another box to check in a way like it was just like some people think you know some people feel like girls some people feel like boys some people feel like kind of neither or like whatever and you might be that too and and they were like oh i'm that you know and and it was as simple as that and it was just like okay so you get you can use these pronouns and blah, blah, blah. And like everything that comes with being non-binary. And that was it. And it was like quite simple, um, you know, to this, uh, how old are they? 12? Yeah, something like that. Um, you know, 12, 12 year old uh, person that's just like, it's not, a, it's not that hard. Um, but it's something that, I mean, you know, uh, not to blow up your spot, but you're a little older than me. Um, but even like in my generation, like that was just not a thing like ever. And, uh, you know, the, um, the, not to kind of pat ourselves on the back, but like the distance that I think we have traveled, uh, in terms of visibility of trans and non-binary people, um, in our society uh, over over our lifetime is is crazy you know like i mean it's... yeah um i was just i was listening to last night uh it's funny i was listening to um that we're t it's funny that we're talking about all of this because mm -hmm. i was listening to, to just last night do you know who alok is alok no alok is a non-binary non-binary person uh, i believe they live in new york and they were talking about how there are as many ways to be masculine and a man as there are men. Mm. There are as many ways to be feminine and female and a woman as there are women. And the same for non-binary people. And someone said to Alok, well, how do you suggest that we get to a place, get other people to a place that um, they're on board with you know, that transitioned them into thinking this way and to be that way, you know, in the future. And Alok just said, I'm already there. I'm already doing it. It's already happening. Yeah. Um, there is no work, you know, to be done. It is happening now. This is a fact. These are facts. These are not, this is not something we need to convince people of. This is already happening and real and true. <laughs> and I mm -hmm. just thought that was really remarkable and kind of made me chuckle of like it really is just a decision to actually acknowledge the present moment that um what you're saying is absolutely true we went from you know when i came out you know 20 years ago mm -hmm. um as you know to my parents and it was like a big deal you know to come out into the trans community and find my tribe it's still my tribe but a new sort of part of my tribe that i had not um you know, understood myself to be, you know, part of and, be, you know, prior to that. And, um, and 
it feels like in the last even five to maybe eight years, the speed in which people are acknowledging this present moment, that it is here, it is happening, and that kids, I want to say, yeah. like that are 10, 12 years old are like, yeah, I'm non-binary. Like, I've never felt like one or the other, and I do not want to be made to choose, and that it's already happening. It's yeah. already, um, I just, I, I it feels like um, light speed, you know, in comparison to my being, you know, 19 years old and wishing one day that LGBTQ people could get married, yeah. you know, you know, like it just seems it's mind-blowingly fast. And I think as it also has this feel of um, um, when it like it like it's viral, mm-hmm. uh, like a viral video or something like on TikTok that, you know, the guy you know, was it uh, skateboarding and drinking the cranberry juice and listening yeah. to Stevie Nicks or yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah. As viral as that is, that you know, people, uh, younger people, understanding what non-binary is and whether or not it feels like it belongs to them or not, feels like as viral as that video was, mm-hmm. and um, that is super exciting to me because I think that that is what is going to be the the wave that you know yeah. tips the scales and you know all of us old people are going to like i don't get it you know like yeah whatever. i mean like I, I i most i feel like i mostly get it i don't know but i'm also like i look at some stuff i mean i'm getting to that age now man where i'm like this shit isn't for me like it's fine and like i it, it like modern music coming out like i'm old enough that i'm like yeah i don't need to understand billy eilish i don't need to i don't need to understand uh uh what's her name olivia rodrigo like i've like it's fine it's not i fully fully expect to be out evolved yeah and i already have been Mm. and i expected about music culture um you know gender um and and i fully expect it i I have I've out evolved my parents, you know, the next generation will out evolve me and so on. And I, that for that, I am hopeful. It makes me hopeful, mm-hmm. you know, um, that, that even if I don't get something, which I probably do, but maybe don't identify with, yeah. like, uh, but, but I totally get it. Like I'm excited about it. It, 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 I'm excited for, for, you know, really being out evolved. Yeah, know, I like it, I like the idea that I'm getting outdated. You know, I think it's cool. I don't know. Like, I I don't feel any bitter. Like, I don't ever want to be that. Like, you know, like oh, those crazy kids. You know, like it's just I, yeah. <laughs> I I want to be more like oh, great, those crazy kids. They're they're like you know they're just doing all this shit that I don't understand, and I love that. You know, um, yeah. I, have you have you seen Euphoria? I have not. You have, and you I know that it's like. Not going to lie. I haven't either. Um, but I was just listening to a podcast about it today. Um, so I'm going to like really talk about some shit that I don't understand. Um, but what they were talking about was, uh, there's a character It's mostly about these kids, but there's an episode that was, uh, more about one of the kids dads, uh, this guy, Cal, who, um, is not a good guy and is really abusive and really like you know is is causing his own son to be like a real piece of shit um and 
you eventually like they peel back enough layers that they see that like okay but he's also he's this like middle-aged man who's in this you know uh monogamous uh uh hetero relationship but on the side like clandestinely he's like getting together with like underage trans sex workers and has this whole secret life that he's compartmentalized and you by watching his story you sort of see the it's he's like a cautionary tale almost um a cautionary tale but also just like a tragic figure because he just he never really had the chance in his life to like take the the other you know the the fork in the road like it was always just like his life was just a line and was just you marry a woman you have kids and like anything else is unacceptable and he just never got to live his truth and that has turned him into this fucking awful person that everybody who watches the show mm. like really despises um, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of hot takes apparently about this episode that follows him and kind of paints him in a more I guess sympathetic light but I I kind of I mean, having never seen a single episode of that show, I'm kind of like, oh, I get why they would do that. Because you want to illustrate to people that, like, this is what can happen if people are forced to not be who they really are, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I think that, uh, think about, I I think that people who um, are attracted to or love uh, and are and are attracted to uh, gender nonconforming people are as much a part of the trans community as trans and mm-hmm. non-binary and non-conforming people are, and that they are a part of the community that a lot of people have sort of forgotten, um, and that their struggle to um, be okay with themselves. Is a, is a very similar struggle, and that um, it is not the same. It is not dangerous, uh, you know, for you know them to to necessarily be who they are. In in that the way that it is for you know trans and non-binary, I want to like be dis- I want to distinguish that there are some significant differences. That there is a lot of there is a lot of you know privilege that comes with, and I'm going to assume that this guy is a cis male. I'm going to assume, I don't know, and that's probably wrong. Is he white? Is he a cis white yeah, male? Yeah, well, that's the other That's the other thing about his, like, character is, like, you know, people assume, you know, they, in one aspect, he is a very privileged guy. He's a, you know, quote-unquote straight, white, cis male, you know, who, like, he's middle class and he's he's a lot of struggles that a lot of other people go through have been removed, but there is this thing within him that he's never been able to make peace with, you know, and I, yeah. it makes him and an interesting I, character, I, I think. I think people forget that those people, and let's say men in particular, um, you know, who struggle with the toxicity in their own community mm-hmm. and people coming after them for what they, um, what they feel about themselves um, how they feel about, you know, trans people and gender nonconforming again, yeah. you know, I, I think that people forget that they are, you know, 
they are also part of the community and that um, we, I, I, I think we kind of have to rethink how we treat them so that they, not, so just not just their toxic brothers and, you know, other people in the community treat them because of who they love or desire. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- that also we as the, um, you know, subjects of their desire and uh, attraction also have to remember like that they are also going through a thing, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I don't know. I think it's, it's a, it's a hard place because for us to not, not also just not forget them as well. And yeah. um, it's uh yeah, I, I, th- I think about um, it, it takes, it takes as I would say as much, um, clarity and I want to say courage. I don't want to say courage because I, I think that's kind of outdated, you know, now, but like it takes as much clarity and, um, I don't know what the word is. I don't want to say courage. It's something else. Um, uh, maybe willingness to like, listen to your own voice without the, like while quieting the voices of others quieting the voice of like toxic masculinity and what you've ever been taught. It's like quieting that voice and, you know, listening to your own voice and taking that step toward something that you need. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, it's weird. Cause I, I don't, if you call it courage, then you make it sound like you're doing something so brave. And it's like, no, it's like, I guess it's like, it's self love. Right. It's like, yeah, it's so, you know, what, you know, someone in that is choosing to love themselves enough to um, love whoever they want to love without, you know, fear or care of repercussions from other community members takes as much of whatever that substance, that emotional substance is to, uh, to do as it does for me to, you know, come out and say who I am. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, it's, it's a really, I, I'm, I have wanted to watch that series, but, um, I watched like the first episode and for some reason, I don't even remember why. And it was like two years ago that I, I couldn't, I couldn't get into the first yeah. episode, but, there, but I, I would like to so try much, again because everybody's talking yeah, about everybody's it. talking about it. I don't, there's so much fucking media though. Like, how are you even supposed to like, you know, it's just like, okay, there's like a bajillion shows that I'm apparently are, are the best show ever. And I like need to really, I need <laughs> to watch the righteous gemstones. I need to watch yellow jackets. I need to watch this and that. And it's just like, yeah. I don't have time. I actually have a job, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to know like, w- like what to pick and like really go with. And you know, there's certain things that like, I tried to watch, um, station 11, um, a couple of weeks I ago. I just finished we, it. Apparently it's great, but like that first episode was just too upsetting for me. I was just like, oh, this is too, like, I can't, people coughing in hospitals and stuff. And I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, no, no, thank you. Well, <laughs> this is not I how I want to unwind anybody's, right I'm not, I don't want to try to drag you back to it if you don't want to, but I want to say this, that they actually, that episode was probably the roughest yeah. of well, yeah, apparently like the rest of it stuff. doesn't. Yeah, it does. It's it's yeah. after all of that. It's like, it's yeah, it really right. it's like basically I, th- you know, my partner Sarah and I were talking about, you know, we really loved it because 
in the end, um, you you see how everybody is absolutely connected mm-hmm. and um, what is left when there's, you know, a pandemic apocalypse and you fast forward 20 years, um, how people learned how to live, what was left was art. Yeah. There was music, there was theater, there was art. And that really was all that mattered. There wasn't social media. There weren't podcasts. There weren't uh, TV shows, movies, anything like that. It was live in-person art that people were starving for. Well, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get along tr- without podcasts, so I better just like fucking die of this disease, <laughs> whatever it is, because that's the only thing. But I, I mean, do. you know, just all of that, that stuff, like it actually was super attractive to me in a weird way, mm-hmm. like to to go to that. It made, I mean, you know, as old as I am, I'm 53, but I it made me think about my younger years, like of growing up in, be, until I was about 12 in this town, Bridgeton, Maine, it was very rural, you know, it was the rotary dial phones. Um, in the seventies and, you know, just some on a, Stephen on King a, shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was literally the stand by me shit where you took a rope and you tied it to a blanket and you walked through the woods with a jug of water to the mountain. You climbed the mountain, you came down, you jumped in the pond and you walked down the road, railroad That's tracks right. home kind of thing. I mean, it was exactly like that. So, I mean, there's a part of me that like, sort of longs for that so seeing that it was like this real back to basics kind of mm-hmm. feel that i kind of enjoyed i mean given it was fucking shitty like that one in a thousand people lived right but it was it was but the the after you know and also a super interesting concept of like being a baby born after that versus someone who lived through the trauma yeah and the difference between those people, that's something that they also sort of visit, which I thought was really interesting. Like, we are all in some way going to be traumatized by this pandemic. Yep. Um, and anybody that is, you know, born after this will have never known any of it. And what that is, just, I, just, I find all that really fascinating. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I keep thinking about like what I will tell I don't plan on having kids, but like what I'll tell any kids who are, you know, if I'm like out like whittling on a porch or whatever, and they're like, tell us about the, <laughs> yeah. did you get it? Did you, did you get sick? And they'll be like, oh, you know, it was like this and that, like, you know, we wore these masks and blah, blah, blah. But like, it's just the past few years have given me such a weird, uh, I don't know a weird outlook on just society and humanity and the future and everything. Like just that, like, Oh, society just doesn't really like, we can't be asked. We can't be bothered to like really give a shit about each other at all. Like, this is like really fucking savage. Um, that, that it just, the ideas of the future, I, 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 can really only think about it too much and before i get to like yeah maybe just uh, reel it in day at a time <laughs> like let's just let's just get through this week let's just get through this month i don't i i i i, I can't think about 20 years from now Ugh. yeah uh on a similar note i watched that just made me think of like i just i uh, we're 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 terrible people um yeah. i just watched that don't look up um film oh um by adam mckay yeah and 
And I just was like, oh, it's exactly going to go down like that. Yeah. I mean, it's totally um, (laughs) that I feel like that thing got kind of shit on a little bit by people who are just like, yeah, yeah, we understand it's climate change. It's like, that's not for you. You understand it already. This is for like people who go and see fucking Fast and Furious movies. Like this is this is to get through to them. And like, you know, like it's it's kind of an entry level metaphor for society and the apocalypse and stuff. It's not like advanced level. Um, I talk about I I talk about this fucking book all the time. Um, But have you ever read Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler? Oh, my God. You got to read that book. Um, Parable of the what? Parable of the Sower like a like sowing seeds um okay. by octavia butler it's probably the most it feels like the most prescient accurate kind of book about society collapsing and it's not really like post-apocalyptic it's like happening in real time like she's like living kind oh. of like a normal life for a minute and then it just kind of like it just crumbles and crumbles and crumbles and it's fucking gnarly and dark and just it's a insane book um and there's a couple little sci-fi elements in it like there's like these weird like she has this like it's not really a superpower it's like more of a uh uh detriment where she like feels other people's sensations and emotions um Uh and so since there's so much like emotional and physical pain around her. She's just like, like it's crippling. Um, but it's just, it's fucking incredible. Like I've never read anything like that. And like, I read it sometime last year and like, I just, I can't stop thinking about it. It's just, it's, I'll check it out. I I would definitely, yeah, I would, I would check it out for sure. Uh, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know where I was going with that, but it's, it's, it's just a fucking incredible book. Um, well, it, 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 it sounds like a, um, uh, less comedy version of, of don't look up then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, know? it's definitely like, it's, it's not as uh wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but it's, it was written in the nineties. And I guess uh, she wrote it as like an extrapolation of what she saw happening with like Reaganism and uh, like austerity stuff. And just like, Oh, okay. So the government um, and rich people are just going to sort of, close their doors on us and abandon us. And we're just sort of being left to our own devices. And this like, and she's like, Oh yeah, you, you fucking, you, you got it. You nailed it. Like you did it. I don't Uh know how you saw so far into the future, but it's, it's perfect. Um, you know, uh, back to what you were saying though, about, um, about people who are attracted to, um, trans folks, non-binary folks, queer folks, but, or maybe, uh, identify as, you know, cis or whatever themselves. Um, like somebody who I was thinking about recently was, um, was Eddie Murphy. I don't know if you remember, like every, like you, you watch that special and like, you know, like, I feel like everybody who's like even, uh, slightly interested well, in stand-up is, you know, like they've seen that special and he, you know, he said he must say like the word faggot, like, I don't know, like 500 times in the first five minutes. And then, <laughs> you know, and then you know what happens with him, right? Like, and, and listen, it's, I think, I think, you know, on like some level, like in order for people, look, I, I, 
I I don't want to put. I, I guess I'm not even really sure how to like yeah. put these guys together accurately, but I think Dave Chappelle, mm-hmm. I think Eddie Murphy, I think there's other um, prominent black artists, male artists who have um, said things that are dehumanizing to uh, to and about you know trans folks or gender nonconforming folks or queer folks. Um, gay men, etc., all sort of in the same family, but all sort of related to, like, because of somebody's lack of masculinity or yeah. lack of, you know, or giving up male privilege, um, that there's something that sort of puts them in the same sort of room together, and maybe it's not all the 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 same things that they're saying exactly, but I feel like, or I think, I don't want to say I feel like, I think that all of these men have been been I think there's a root, you know, kind of like you're talking about the guy in that the euphoria that um there's a root to why, you know, somebody is the way that they are and that these are men who have been dehumanized because of their color and yeah. uh that I, the and I think that what I mean if you've ever heard the phrase like, you know, trauma is just uh, I, I'm going to say it wrong, but I had an acting teacher a long time ago talk, talk about trauma and like you have, if you have trauma, like all your trauma that you have will re-traumatize somebody else, if yeah. not sort of taken care of. And I'm, I'm not even saying that correctly, but basically I just think that these are men who were traumatized um, because by probably other white men yeah. um, who dehumanized them and said that they weren't even human not just even not even men but not even human because they were men of color so i think that that trauma and this is where i want to go with it and i don't even know if it's accurate but i want to go to a place of like this is why they do what they do this is why that that's the route that they took because this was done to them it comes from somewhere i mean this is not their natural state they're not speaking from their natural state they're speaking from their traumatized state. And so I think if you were to, if that were removable in some way, mm-hmm. they're not, this, this is, they're not speaking from a natural state of like, you know, of this isn't, if you were to talk to, you know, four-year-old Dave Chappelle before he were, was ever imprinted with this misinformation or, you know, Eddie, before he was imprinted with misinformation. And I I just think that you would, you would have a, a a different, um, you'd have a totally different person saying totally different things about people in, in there. Listen, we're all part of the same community. You know, I, I, so when I say in the community, I'm like, we all belong to each other. You know, we are all responsible for each other um and and to each other and so i i think that you know these are i don't know these are traumatized men who are then just re-traumatizing other people yeah. and so i i, I mean that's I really all it is feel, that's what that's what yeah i mean that's toxic masculinity then it's yeah it's a yeah. hard thing i think it's it's a that is a concept that i think is hard for a lot of people to understand i mean i think there's a lot of people who are willfully misunderstanding it and are just using it as like a like right-wing reactionary like oh they just think men are bad and like you know they think masculine and it's like no 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 like 
masculinity itself i think is uh, is a great thing and is a is a beautiful thing um but i mean like i was saying like male camaraderie and um the primal satisfaction uh as, as a you know i i feel like i'm fairly uh towards the like cis masculine side um the primal satisfaction of being a guy doing guy stuff is like just nice and feels great and doesn't have to be something that is about picking on people weaker than you smaller than you uh-huh. um you know dehumanizing uh women and feminine people like there, there's so much that does not need to be part of the equation and that's what we point at when we say toxic masculinity when we're talking about like sexual coercion and violence and and um and and all these bullying behaviors uh that get drummed into us and are told to us like this is how you act if you want to be a man if you don't want to be a little pussy or whatever like this is how you're supposed to be but like there's all this other stuff that's just fine that can totally be acceptable for everybody like uh, it's it's very hard to navigate uh, you know what I also think? I, I do think that there is value in canceling people's platforms mm-hmm. to be able to um, keep traumatizing others with their violence through their language like that or promotes violence mm-hmm. um, um, from others around them that, you know, you, you, you say that someone doesn't belong here um, first and foremost, what a shame that you were taught that, um, that yeah. someone put that on you and that you took that on and believed it. And now that you're spreading that and you're spreading that message to others that might potentially take that next step of physical violence and to, um, literally try to erase people. Yeah. And I, but I do think that there's I do think there's value in canceling people's platforms to be able to reiterate that, that bullshit. But I also think on the other side of that, and I'm not talking about, you know, the, the Weinsteins of the world necessarily. I'm talking about men who have are um, reiterating false narratives about trans people, non-binary people, gender non-conforming people that is just absolutely baseless and based in their fear that like on the other side of canceling that platform, I do think we also need to work to not relegate people to darkness because they don't learn anything there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like once you do that, like there should be a, some sort of like a remediation, you know, like of, you know, like, I, and I don't know what that is. Like, so when someone says, if I, if I had a gay kid, I would, you know, knock the shit out of them. Or if I, you know, if a trans woman ever right. hit on me, I would do X, Y, and Z, whatever that is. And like that, that's not a, a real identity or that's not a, whatever their language is. Like how, how do they learn anything at all? If you just say slap them and say, that's bad. Yeah. You know, you're gone. You're not allowed to be part of this 
community anymore. Community anymore. I think that when you relegate people to darkness, there is nothing to be learned. You mm-hmm. know. So and also like so, I think that there's like power. Like it's that I really believe that they never really heard somebody's story because yeah. you cannot. You absolutely cannot hate someone once you know their story, and that's like, that's ju- that that's just. I mean, I feel like is that doesn't everybody know that? It's kind of it's ridiculous. Like once you, like, get to know your neighbor that you thought was different, and you're like, oh my god, like I, oh my god, I was so silly that I had all these preconceived ideas about this person, and now like I know their story, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I feel that way too about blah blah yeah. blah. You know, I. I there's just I hear about, you know, people's, you know, mic being taken away, which I think is important in that they shut the fuck up. But also like what I I'm obsessed with the how do we heal mm-hmm. the after, you know, and actually give somebody the framework for something new and to let them hear somebody's story. I just don't know how to get, you know, it doesn't end with with ending them, you know. Yeah. It doesn't end with their cancellation. Yeah, um, we we are approaching about an hour. I don't know how much time you have, but we we just brought up kind of a, a juicy, uh, robust topic. So <laughs> yeah. if you if you've got a minute, yeah. I'd like to kind of talk about it a little. Yeah, bit. yeah, please. Um, so, I mean, obviously, like, there's like a bajillion takes on this because you know these are all those buzzwords deplatforming and and canceling and and all of that stuff um and you know what's happened recently with um with uh spotify and joe rogan and 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 all of that stuff i mean it's it's i would say he's he's uh not the best example of uh uh masculinity and and his approach to uh to all of that stuff and like the kind of guests he has on like people like, you know, Jordan Peterson and stuff like that, like not so great. Um, but also I've thought about this recently, you know, like, cause it's mostly come up about like vaccine misinformation. Um, and I feel right now, like I'm kind of, um, uh, agnostic, I guess is the word when it comes to like, should he not be on Spotify? Should like, should he be deplatformed? Um, because I mean, just, uh, ah, no gun. Sorry. My dog had stitches in her mouth and she can't be scratching at her face. Um, uh, just because like practicality wise, like somebody that big and influential in the podcasting worlds taking him off of Spotify doesn't necessarily stop him. And, you know, there's other podcasting platforms, all of that stuff. Um, and I also, yeah, I don't know. Like when, when I think about well, like, I, I, w- I just want to say, can sure. I throw something sure, in sure, there? Sure. I think it's, a, I do think I, like I understand what you're saying. I I hear you. Like I understand that it's not going to necessarily change anything. Taking him off Spotify, mm-hmm. he'll just go someplace else. But I do think it's important to. And I'm not saying that you're not doing this, but I do think it's important to take a side. Yeah. And I think that it's also important to make his life a little bit difficult. In, yeah. I mean, like I, I could see that. So like, make it, that would let him that would, see if he can search yeah, for another like you know making an example you know like to do something like that would to be like 
to to would say to the world like here's what happens if you run your mouth about like dumb shit and and say but I, that kind of I think misinformation. You like, know, I get we're that. not gonna ever we're not ever gonna stop people like him. But no. um, if we can um, punish the corporations that are supporting it, yeah, by having people like Neil Young and others, right, you know, leave a platform and have their stock drop and have them sure. rethink, you know, their policies. Um, and that, you know, they claim that they have removed, you know, hundreds of episodes of misinformation about, you know, COVID, not yeah. any of Joe Rogan's, but, um, but, you know, like what, and I don't know, maybe they have since, but, but basically know. like, let, let's also make it difficult for that corporation to support people like him. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, he's making a million dollars an episode. Yeah. Uh, to do that podcast. Let's, let's, you know, if at the very least, let's make it more difficult in the ways that we can. And yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, like, so like I've, I've heard, like, there's been a lot of debate uh, about this and like, I've just been sort of like listening to it and sifting through it. And like, um, what, I mean, first of all, like what I think is like a lot of people have like used the word censorship and like they're trying to censor him and like all of this stuff. And I'm like, that is literally not what that is. Censorship is when the government gets involved and says like, you can't say this. It's illegal. Right. This is the free market. This is just fucking capitalism. Sorry. Like and 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 people and in that world, people can make whatever rules they want. Sure. I would want Spotify to make the rule, you know, like let's hit them financially hard enough that they rethink their policies yeah. and rules. And that is you know, correct. Like, that is not censorship. People don't know the difference. Yeah. <laughs> you know, also, that to like, me drives me nuts. I, I have my own issues with, I mean, my podcast is available on Spotify just because I want to put myself out there as much as possible. And I, I'm, I'm such a like small, you know, account that like, I don't have the kind of clout that like, it would like, it would be like I'm removing myself from Spotify. They'd be like, who, who the fuck are you? Right. So like, <laughs> I don't care. I have other beef with Spotify just in terms of like how they treat artists and how they pay people and all of that stuff. But um, yeah, I just um, in terms of uh, like the the culture or, or the, the 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 cultural discourse around quote unquote canceling people um, is is interesting to me, and it's. Uh, there's, it's very complicated and it's very, um, there's, I, I feel like there's, there's room for a lot of nuance and discussion. Um, especially I think on like the left or in like progressive circles uh, when it comes to, um, cancellation and, and all of that stuff, uh, accountability, if you want to call it that, um, and uh, I don't have you heard of uh, there's this person, Clementine Morrigan. Um, I've just started following mm-hmm. her work fairly recently. She's on Instagram mm-hmm. and stuff. She has this podcast called Fucking Canceled that I've been listening to. Um, and it's it's, it's I mean, there's she takes a different approach to it in a lot of ways because she's coming at it from like she's a sober person. She is a 12 stepper and comes at like forgiveness and redemption and stuff like that from kind of a different perspective. But, um, 
what she's trying to kind of start is a discussion about canceling people from kind of like a left perspective, um, which I think is interesting and, and kind of a, a vital thing. Um, because I, when you say I think, canceling somebody from a left perspective, what is that? When, um, like, so because I, I mean, I, I know that the left is definitely seemingly the, the people who are able to cancel. Others. Right. Well, like, and, and, but I do think that canceling isn't necessarily based in the left, but it's been, it's canceling based on, um, truth uh-huh. and, um, lie and kind of like a basic sort of code of conduct that often falls into the world of actual law legal stuff yeah. like you know you you if you rape somebody you're canceled you right know? yeah um, well yeah but but also you spread in misinformation you're canceled those things aren't necessarily left truths they're just truth sure um but but it does seem that the left or you know liberals sort of have the corner of the market on who can cancel who it seems like that but it's not really the case if you really examine it because um i mean like when i say from a left perspective i mean like they're both lefties and they want to talk about um what's going on in the culture like uh, when when it comes to quote unquote cancel culture um but i mean like I don't know if um, the left necessarily has, I I think they get painted as having a monopoly on canceling people. But like when you look at what the right is doing in America, so far as like banning books and uh, quote unquote critical race theory and what can and can't be taught in schools and like all of that stuff, it's like, it kind of seems like cancellation to me too. Like if you want to like point fingers, but what they I mean, what you were talking about, really, about, um, uh, what was the word you used? Um, like, relegation, was that the word? Mm. Uh, to, yeah. to give people, yeah. like, another chance, another shot, uh, if they are misinformed, if they, um, if they have... Uh, I think that takes a willingness, though, to want to make a shift in some way yeah like, there, there is you that. have to be like, want to be teachable or you know open to like uh, open to something else other than what you've said or done absolutely but, um, but so like I, but i i mean i'll be honest with you like mm-hmm. um i i um i was on transparent mm-hmm. i know that jeffrey tambor yep um uh, there were allegations of Jeffrey Tambor and sexual misconduct. And uh, I, I was not there. I do not know what happened. Um, I don't know what he did or didn't do. I do, um, I believe, Trace Lysette and that yeah. she was uncomfortable with what happened. And I believe that, um, that but I also believe that um, the set itself and my experience on it was very, it was set up in such a way from the top down that set up in such a way that it would be confusing to someone 
in that moment about what is and isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what is okay? What what is okay? Touch. What is okay? Um, sort of you know because it was a very physically touchy set yeah. of people loving each other. It's like felt like you know high school theater. You know, right. <laughs> you know, in the eighties, yeah. and um, people like constantly hugging each other and you know my god i miss you and like you just saw them yesterday but you know like right you you know i so i do think that there was literally from the top down set up a a a a place and a space that it would be confusing to anyone and not just an old man um actor from another time that might have and i'm not i'm not saying might like in that moment i'm saying might have mistook the atmosphere to be something right. that it wasn't and really overstepped and maybe maybe his intentions were ill or mm-hmm. maybe they weren't but he did what he did he's accountable for it um and then what we know nothing about jeffrey tambor now we yeah. know nothing about like where he is or what happened and i'm for, i'm i'm not on his side sure. this is it but i'm what i'm saying is what happened after that like we never i i don't i don't even know i don't know yeah. if, you know you were on like the fucking show and you don't even know like that's what's crazy between yeah. you know trace and and him and to have like a moment of like you fucking hurt me yeah i was i was freaked out and scared yeah and to have someone have a moment with that to have him have a moment with that i don't i really don't know if there was i mean i guess that's what it is for me is like I want the other side and the healing side too. Mm-hmm. Like if that is possible and if that person, you know, like, listen, uh, on a se- separate subject, I think I've heard, you know, that Jeffrey is one of the, I never had any scenes with him, but he's one of the most difficult people on set to work with at times. Um, I think that's a separate subject. Sure. Um, but I just don't know anything about like the, I just, I feel like I, I I'm I'm one of these like I must I want to fix things yeah. and maybe that's you know codependent but I want people to, I want us to be okay with each other. Yeah. So how do we get to the healing? I know that the other things have to happen first. Um but did we skip that last part, you yeah. know, or the the next parts, you know, to get to that place if it's possible, you know, was what happened, you know, I mean I this is going to sound crazy and I don't even know if it's possible. Like I, I hear and have seen stories about, you know, families meeting with their, the murderers of their children, like, and getting to a place of like forgiveness. And how do we get to that next, you know, phase of, you know, who we are and our relationship to each other. And I don't want to live a life of resentment and, um, and hating someone. It takes so much energy. And like, so I, I'm very, very invested and curious about the other side of that, of the healing, Yeah, you know, and I don't, I don't know the answers. I'm not here with the answers. Oh yeah. But I am, I'm asking the question of like, how do we get there? That's how do we, that's, I think what's the, the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Just what, what are the choices that we need to make in order to get there? And, and I, 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 I want to encourage that and foster Mm -hmm. that in some way, but I, you know, I also am not Trace Lysette. I am not, yeah. you know, Jeffrey. I have, I have no, I, I was not, again, like, yeah. I just, I feel you, you know, yeah. from an like, existential place, like, 
I want to say, how do we get to the place where, you know, where we are okay again? Right. Because we are, we are walking wounded, you know, yeah. at, until that's done. Yeah. I mean, so that's more what I was talking about when, um, when I was talking about that, that, that podcast fucking canceled and, and, um, and what the questions that Clementine is kind of bringing up is like, are we abolitionists here? Are we like looking to be a punitive society or are we looking for redemption for people who actually want to be, you know, redeemed and like, what did I do? Can this be helped? And there is, um, I think there's a lot of, uh, and again, this is like, it, it sounds like a right wing fucking talking point and is often used in bad faith that there's, you know, like left wing, like woke mobs who just like come and just like ravenously sadistically destroy people for any kind of misconduct and like lump people in together for like varying degrees of, uh, transgressions and, and all of that stuff. But like what the discussion I think can be and should be is like, let's look at this on a human level. How do we triage this? How do we fix this? Um, is the perpetrator, um, the person who did the hurting, are they, are they remorseful? Do they, is there a path to them moving on with their lives and, and the, the person they hurt moving on with their lives and like all of that stuff. Like it's, and it's I, a... I want to say that when I talk about that, that getting to that place, mm -hmm. like I'm not talking about it, like in specifically for example, I've been using Jeffrey uh, Tambor yeah. as the example, but like, you know, uh, you know, it is not for him. Yeah. It is for everybody. This isn't, you know, this isn't like sympathy, you know, for, for Jeffrey, it yeah. is, it is like wanting universal healing because yeah. I believe that, you know, most people, there are a few people that I think that, you know, I would even at myself have a really hard time saying, you know, saying that they deserve, you know, forgiveness and deserve like there's, there's some, there's still some parts of me that like there are some things that probably feel so horrific that even it would be massive work for me to get to a place to say that very freely. But so I, you know, I, I kind of am somewhat reserved when saying, you know, that everybody deserves, you know, forgiveness and, mm -hmm. um, and healing, but I'm not saying it just for him. I'm saying it yeah. for everybody because Nobody benefits in that situation. Yeah. Um, it, it, it keeps a hierarchical sort of, you know, punitive, like what you're saying earlier of like, I am here, you are here. And that kind of like punishment and relegation teaches nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, what really teaches people is like, you know, I mean, if you, I mean, you have, a, you have dogs, if you were to, you know, you just then if you, God, you I know you would never do this because you were like right. such a dog lover. But if you were to like have just smacked the dog, you know, like right. just beat the crap out of the dog, the dog would have learned nothing from what you, yeah. you know, you I just so I, I, I don't know. I, I want to just say that, like, this wasn't in defense of, of Jeffrey. It yeah, was yeah, yeah. in I'm like a proponent of healing for all. 
Yeah, I get that. I, I think I, I think you communicated that well. I, I think we okay. yeah we <laughs> d- don't worry. We're not <laughs> nobody. I don't think anybody's gonna walk away from this uh, painting you as like a. Uh, no, but I just I want to make whatever, that clear like, because yeah. I do think that you know it's like one of those things that like I I think sometimes I just for my own sake like I want to I want to make sure what I believe has been made clear mm-hmm. you know I, sometimes it's reiterating but anyway yeah no I get it I get it um, Ian Harvey thank you so much for being on the show this was a really thank lovely you. discussion it was great to catch up with you man and all of that yeah. stuff and like you know like I, honestly I gotta say this you look fucking great You're, you I, I think like you know best of luck with with the with the hair and everything but like honestly nice. like you yeah let you know how this goes like it's gonna it, like don't worry about it you the eyebrows on point you're like when i dude, when i saw you on transparent i was just like holy shit who is this like george clooney looking hunk like it's crazy so like That's don't worry about it like uh and well, i know that I'm that loving- like on the uh, hair compliments, I'm loving your curls. Thank I'm you. Jealous of the long locks and curls, and um, this was my pandemic uh, project was just growing out my hair. It was just like a passive doing nothing and just like let it, let it go because there was an awkward adolescence where it was like very triangle shaped and not good and just like <laughs> just like. But like I'm finally getting to a place where it's like okay, this kind of looks okay if you don't you know really look at the front of it too much where it's kind of great going it looks great (laughs) um is there anything Um, that you would like to uh plug um you know what i um instead of plugging some of the showbiz stuff i'm gonna plug my official trandy man instagram account because i build things too on the side so and they're nothing nothing crazy but i built like a i built probably the largest catio in the world i'm not joking um, and I put that on there. Um, I'm sorry. What's, I a, built, what's like, a catio? It's a cat it's patio. A cat patio. That's okay. I mean, I thought that's what that was, but I just wanted to, to keep, make sure. To keep predators out. But um, my friend has um, three cats and she really wanted a space for them to be outside and not be eaten up by, you know, coyotes okay. out here. So um, I built this and it has like uh, tunnels and bridges and like oh, hell yeah. every just is that massive. mostly is it woodworking? Is it metal? Is it plastic? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's wood. It's all wood except for the screening is chicken wire to like you know mm-hmm. so that no one can get in or out. But it's massive, massive, um, and I'm super proud of it. So everybody can check out my uh, my Trandy Man work on official Trandy Man on Instagram. Official Trandy Man, that's great. See, building <laughs> shit with your hands, it feels fucking yes. great. It is satisfying <laughs> on a primal level. Oh, this is what I'm talking. It really about, is right. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really sustained me during this time. Yeah, you know, building and um, you know the physical work keeping you from your head, you mm-hmm. know, um, but also it's meditative and putting you in your head mm-hmm. in a in a different way, but not obsessively. I'm not thinking about my hair when I'm building shit, so sure. that's nice. Um, but yeah, I really I really love and I just you know building some random stuff, but you can check it out on there. Hell yeah! Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Brad. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you once again, Ian Harvey, being on the show. Check out his stuff. Uh, he's a fun guy, funny guy, cool guy. Um, and uh, that's all. I'm gonna. There's gonna be another episode next week, I think. 
I don't know. We'll see. Um, that's it. We'll talk to you then. Uh, rate and review iTunes. Rate and review on uh, you know on on Spotify. Yeah, I'm on Spotify still. Uh, what do you want to do? Um, no, no. I'm asking. What should I do? Should I pull my podcast from Spotify? Ah, whatever. Look. Rate and review. Patreon. You know all that. Socials. Radical Pearson. Self-worst. On Instagram and Twitter. Do it. Follow me. We'll hang out on the internet. All right. Uh, music is by Shea Bartel. Thank you, Shea. Thank you for listening. I hope you... I hope you get through it, man. I hope you I hope you get through your week. Hope you get through one more week. One more week. One more week. Just keep at it. Do one uncomfortable thing every day. Do one unpleasant, difficult thing every day. It builds character. It makes you stronger. That's all I got for you, advice-wise. All right. I'm going to get out of here. I got to go eat uh, dinner or something. Uh, I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you. Bye.